Hi, welcome to Teach Me Biology, our revision podcast for A-level biology students. I'm Ria Corbett. And I'm Sarah Matthews. Hi, I'm Ria Corbett. I'm a, sci- a former science teacher with biology specialism and on Teach Me Biology, I am teaching my co-host and little sister, Sarah Matthews, <laughs> biology A-level topic by topic to hopefully provide you, our lovely listeners, with an audio revision resource. Yes, we hope you incorporate us into your revision and as a part of your learning journey, dip in and out, listen to the episodes on your weaker topics or use this as your audio biology bible. Whatever you need us for, we are here. We've also got an old friend with us, Maisie. Hi, hello. A new person, old friend. A new person, an old friend. A sister. (laughs) Maisie, who was on the Revision Stretch episode, is still here. And she just literally won't go away. She just keeps turning (laughs) off all recordings. Hello. (laughs) She thinks she's one of us. In fact, I feel like maybe I'm getting pushed out. (laughs) And this is not going to be a biology podcast any longer. That it's going to turn into like their podcast. Episode 81. I'm moving to a slightly different topic. So, you know, we've finished skeletal muscle. What? All oh, of the skeletal muscle and the we? contraction. Yeah. Okay. We finished that. So I'm thinking that we can do a whole section now on genetics. Okay. Okay. Just to get away from the body, muscly, nervy type okay. stuff that we've been doing. Okay. So we're going to look at definitions of specific things like genotype, phenotype, alleles, not alleles. Didn't we all do this? Alleles. Already? We have talked about it before. But this is like the proper genetics now. Okay. Uh, dominant recessive, co-dominant, loci or locus, homozygous, heterozygous. Do you remember that? Uh, remember the alleles use... and stuff like that. Yeah. The use of fully labelled genetic diagrams to interpret or predict the results of monohybrid crosses involving dominant recessive and co-dominant alleles. Although I don't think we are doing co-dominant alleles today. I think we're just going to do just basic monohybrid crosses. With okay. lots of recap on the genetics to start with, so that we understand those definitions. Uh, yeah, okay. All right. So we're going to start with using the resource on teachmescience.co.uk. So if you look up episode 81, monohybrid crosses, there is a number of resources today. And we're starting with the first one, which is sort of looking at that relationship between a cell and DNA. Looking at that diagram, you can see a cell. Okay, you see the nucleus of that cell, which is where all of the chromosomes are kept, where all the DNA is kept. Mm. Okay, and you can see there are some little threads within that. They are our chromosomes. Okay, do you remember that? Yes. And you can see one of those chromosomes has been made bigger and you can see it in more structure. Do you remember anything about like that chromosome? What, they any, have like anything of it? three things, like a base or something else or something else. So that's DNA, that's structure oh, okay. of DNA. But that's what... That's, what, that's what that's made of. So you can yeah. see that it's the DNA is super coiled down into these threads called yes. chromosomes. Yes. Do you remember anything about the chromosomes? Um, tertiary and something. No, that's protein structure. Oh. It is always in line together with the other opposite thing that it could be, potentially. Yeah, so that kind of maybe takes us on to that next picture there where they're lined up with each other. So mm-hmm. chromosome one and chromosome one. One from mum, one from dad. Yeah. They are the same. So, like, for example, the hair one is always with the hair one. Yeah. 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 If, for instance, the hair colour gene was on chromosome one, it would be in the same place on chromosome one from mum as it was from chromosome one from dad. But it would possibly be a different version of that gene, mm. which we call alleles. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So, looking at the chromosome, so looking back at that chromosome, 
Do you remember that it's two sister chromatids? And then they break off and come together. That's during mitosis and meiosis, yeah. yeah. Held together by a centromere. Yeah. So the centromere is the bit holding it together and they're sister chromatids, they're identical arms. That's when it's ready to divide. That's when usually when you see it in this sort of double yeah. double shape. Normally it's just one line. That is made of DNA. Super coiled down. Why is it banded? Um, so why have we got the dark bits and the light bits all the way down? Because it looks pretty. It does look pretty. And um, it is but it is trying to because represent they're matched up. trying to represent something. What do like say what what do the different bands represent? DNA. Sections of DNA called genes. Genes. Okay. So you've you got idiot. So you've got all the way down the chromosome. That's what I thought it was, but I never said it. That's what they all say. So all the way down, you've got these sections called genes. That bottom bit there could be your eye colour gene, that could be your hair colour gene. And oh, so there's on. the high-waisted ones. Yes, yeah. <laughs> there are the skinny ones, uh, the boyfriend ones. I quite like having someone who's going to laugh at my jokes during Straight the Straight legged. Yeah, <laughs> like, and not just me going, yeah, uh-huh. And like, not an audience uh, member who's listening at home who's going, <laughs> what an idiot. Someone is actually laughing here and now. This is what I would do if I was listening at home. I know. I really? Was, yeah, I would just sit here laughing. I wouldn't take anything away. I would just laugh. She's waiting for the joke. Just waiting for the joke. Yeah. Next to that, we've got a, what we call a karyotype. So that is showing each chromosome pair that yeah. can be found in human nucleuses. So humans have 23 pairs of chromosomes. One from mum, one from dad of each pair. And they're called homologous chromosomes. Do you remember that? Yes. Got homologous chromosomes. Homologous pair. Homologous pairs, yeah. So you have the same genes on each homologous chromosome, one from mum, one from dad. Each <laughs> pair of chromosomes will have specific genes on, and then you've got chromosome pair 23, which are the sex chromosomes. What? Each pair of chromosomes got specific genes on. <laughs> <laughs> High-waisted, like, jean shorts. <laughs> okay, we've, we've done the genome jokes now. <laughs> we, can we move on from there? <laughs> Do you remember what a gene is? A gene, Just to bring it back to biology. A gene is a part of you, like your blue eyes. Yeah, so it would be a section of DNA so that when you unraveled it, it would be like a member sequence of bases and that they're read in threes mm-hmm. and that each three brings mm-hmm. a amino acid which makes up a polyprotein or a polypeptide or a protein that would make your eyes blue. Yes. Does that make sense? Like yes. transcription, yes, translation, yeah. So that's what a gene is. So that's what that section is showing you. It's saying, right, in this dark banded section is this particular sequence of bases that makes your eyes blue or your hair brown or your makes you have this particular disease or makes yes. you be able to roll your tongue or whatever. As I was saying earlier, pair 23 is our sex chromosomes, X and Y or two X's. Oh, that's why they look a bit weird. Yeah. So the X, and this is important, actually, for some of the stuff we're going to talk about. X chromosome is bigger than the Y chromosome. So the Y chromosome is actually quite small, which means it's missing some genes, which is important when it comes to like sex linkage for inheritance. So diseases that you inherit if you are a boy or if you are a girl, they come from the chromosomes. Where the gene is found on the chromosome is called the locus or the loci, 
I think this should lead into inheritance quite nicely. Now, when you've got chromosome one and you look at one of the genes, that could be your eye colour gene. But they would be different. They could be different alleles. So one could be brown eyes, one could be blue eyes. And they're different alleles of the gene for eye colour. Different versions of that gene. Is that okay? Yes. If you look at the next page of the resource, it has some very, very simple monohybrid crosses for eye colour. There's lots of letters and we're going to talk about what that means. And if you don't remember from a GCSE or you... You, you, you I'm going to guess a bit of the a capital recap. ones are the dominant gene. Oh, yeah. Yes, it clearly says yeah. it there. Yeah. So we're going to talk about simple inheritance in terms of eye colour. Is this legit as well? Is yeah. this scientifically correct? Yeah. Okay. What so I've mean? got two uncapitalised bees then. Yeah, so we've all got blue eyes because our parents have got blue, I've eyes. Got blue eyes. Lydia's got green eyes. Mum's got green eyes. Yeah, so we've inherited two blue eyed genes from our mum and dad. From dad and mum. We've got sort of two examples here of some simple inheritance and we're going to talk about it, okay? So we're starting with, so if you look at the first picture, you've got two parents who both have one capital B and one small b. The capital B represents brown-eyed allele. The small b represents a blue-eyed allele. Both of those parents are what we call heterozygous. Heterozygous. And the reason that they are heterozygous is because they can have alleles for a gene that are different from each other. So one blue-eyed gene and one brown-eyed gene, they're different from each other. Therefore, they are heterozygous for eye colour. One of their offspring has two small bees. They are homozygous because their alleles for blood eye colour are the same as each other. Because our mother's got green eyes, mm-hmm. does that mean that we will have a capital and a lower in us? No, because if we had inherited a green eye gene green from mum, we would have green eyes. So we must only have in us blue eyed genes, yeah. yeah. Because blue eyes is most recessive. Just more terminology. So we understand that, that term, so heterozygous, homozygous. These letters are the genotype of this person. Both parents in this first diagram have one brown eye gene and one blue eye gene. That is their genotype for that particular feature. So what is their actual genetic constitution of the organism? What are the actual genes that they have for each of their features? That is their genotype. The phenotype is the expression of that genetics. So what it physically looks like in real life or physically is in real life. Blue eyes. Blue eyes, brown eyes whatever obviously we're looking at eye color as a as the simplest way of describing it but the more examples we do the more complicated it will get and the more sort of varied the examples will be but just starting with eye color is is quite a simple way just to understand these these terms so we've done homozygous heterozygous genotype and phenotype and this is an example of monohybrid inheritance because it's the inheritance of one single gene not two at the same time they're not linked it's just one gene, eye colour. You can see for both our brown-eyed parents, all the possible offspring that they could produce. Each of these parents will produce egg and sperm, and egg and sperm only contain one copy of each chromosome that you have. So every time you make an egg or maybe you make a sperm cell, one of your chromosome ones will go in, one of your chromosome twos will go in, one of your chromosome threes, one of each. 
So you can only put one of each allele into egg and sperm. This person here will make their gametes, which is like a special word for sex cells or egg and sperm. You will make sperm or egg that contain brown eye genes and you will make egg and sperm that will produce blue eye genes. genes. And that's it. You won't find any with both is what I'm trying to say. So all of the eggs that you make as a human being, all of the sperm that you make as a human being only contains one of each copy of your But the other genes. one will have and could have another. Yeah. This bit where it says big B, little b, big B, little b down the side is showing the gametes, the possible gametes. Mm -hmm. So this person could produce a brown-eyed gamete or a blue-eyed gamete and so could that person. So there's 75% chance of having brown eyes, only 25% chance of having blue. Yes, exactly. So these two people who are homozygous for eye colour, they have us exactly right. The probability is 75% brown eyes, 25% blue eyes. So they will have a quarter will be homozygous for eye colour. So some of their children might inherit both brown eyes and they'll be brown eyes. So if you've got a big B and a little B, so a brown eye gene and a blue eye gene, you would have what colour eyes? You would have brown. You'd have brown eyes. Why? Because the blue, the capital um, one is there, so it's dominant. Yeah. So you've inherited one dominant allele, which means it is always expressed. Yeah. Okay. Dominant is always, if it is inherited just once, it is expressed. Which means that the they're still carrying the blue-eyed gene. So they're a blue-eyed gene carrier. They could pass it on to their children, but they're not expressing it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the 25% chance of producing homozygous blue-eyed children. Which means that they can only pass on blue. They can only pass on blue-eyed genes and they only contain blue-eyed genes because the blue in this case is recessive, which means you have to have inherited it from both parents or it has to appear twice in the genotype for you to express it as a phenotype. Yes. Could it get to a point where... A certain eye colour is just totally wiped out because yes. they don't pass those Ginger hair is on. being wiped out, isn't it? We're, we're saying quite aggressive things there about ginger hair. No. <laughs> oh, I thought we ginger did an episode is... where we talked about how ginger hair is on the way out. I don't remember. Was that, that fashion? <laughs> I don't remember ever saying that. Oh, okay. So can it get to a, a point where there's like people that just no longer have brown eyes? No, because that's dominant. Well, I, d I don't... Okay, blue eyes. I don't, I don't think that would ever happen because I think we talked about this before, haven't we, about evolution, that certain genes can be selected for if they are useful to you and help you to survive. But eye colour isn't something that allows you to survive yeah. better in any environment. So, if people so it wouldn't be selected like, against any others. So if the world suddenly became like, I'm only going to breed with people that have got blue eyes, then eventually you'll get to a point where everyone's got blue eyes. So if we took some kind of Nazi approach to eye colour, yeah, we, you probably could. Eventually yeah. we would become all blue-eyed people because that's the only way to keep the race but going. That's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying I want that as a thing. The second picture is just showing another example of in the inheritance of eye colour. This one is when one of the, either the mum or the dad only has lowercase b's, but the dad or the mum has got a, a capital and a lowercase. So you've got a 50-50 chance of getting brown or blue. Yeah, well done. Good, yeah. So one parent is uh, homozygous for eye colour. And one of them is one um, of them hetero. Is, hetero is heterozygous for eye colour. Again, all the possible offspring would suggest a 50-50 chance. So if one parent has one brown-eyed and one blue-eyed gene, 
they're going to at least pass that brown eye gene on to 50% of their offspring. So that, that will always be the case. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the next slide is showing this same idea just from a different perspective. Okay. Because a lot of genetics is taught from Mendel. And Mendel was, uh, Gregor Mendel was the sort of founder of genetics and not even as a scientist, but just as a general monk stroke gardener was had lots of interest in science and things like that. And actually was the first person to discover the fact that things were passed on from parent to offspring. And that was through plants. So you, you can get a lot of questions and a lot of teaching is done through a lot of stuff that he did with like seeds and plants being tall or short and things like that. So you will see terminology in this example that maybe doesn't appear when you look at basic eye colour inheritance, that sort of thing. Can you see it's telling you about the seeds of a particular plant being round or wrinkled? You see that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they've assigned a letter to that. So if you have... um, The dominant is going to be a capital R. It's going to be a capital R for round Okay. So the round seeds are dominant and the wrinkled seeds are recessive and that is represented by a lowercase r. Now, you can see the parent gametes. You've got both parents being homozygous, which means they've got... Only one. The same. same. Well done. And they are... And each one has the opposite thing. So you've got a homozygous round parent and a homozygous wrinkled parent yeah. we call this pure breeding right so because they both they only contain that one allele so the, the lower ones are the weasleys the capitals are the malfoys the offspring that they produce from the, all those possible gametes is called the f1 generation which is the the offspring that comes from purebred parents so within that offspring you can see they're all mudbloods <laughs> They're all half-bloods. Half-bloods, sorry. They're all, Everybody's they a, Sorry, everyone's a half-blood. But also, mud-blood's a horrible thing to say. It should just be non-magical parent. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> half-blood is what Harry is, because his, his, his mum was a muggle-born, but his, his dad was a wizard. Okay. And came from a wizard family, so he's half-blood. Whereas Hermione had two muggle parents. Excuse me for making a mistake about this. Sorry, all the offspring, as you can see, are half-blood <laughs> for... Round, but they've Suddenly, all got the dominant. Like, really interesting. They've all got the dominant gene, so they would all be, they'd all be round. Yeah. <gasps> In the first filial generation, they will all show the dominant trait, but they will all be heterozygous. But then, when these half bloods have their own babies with each other, give off the recessive gene total as a homo. <laughs> Yes, they could. Yeah, that's that would be the F2 generation, so the yes. second filial generation. Mm-hmm. So what will happen now is the offspring themselves will interbreed with each other. That's what happens in plants. They just they will interbreed. Oh, okay. So the offspring will interbreed. All of the offspring will be heterozygous. So they will have one round allele and one wrinkled allele to pass on. Mm. And you will get that 25% chance of having wrinkled Wrinkles. seeds. This is monohybrid inheritance. There's only so many ways that you can ask a question in an exam about monohybrid inheritance. It's always going to be... Quite easy. Heterozygous parents both being heterozygous. Mm. Or it will be 
you know, one heterozygous, one homozygous, depending on what's being inherited. If it's a dominant trait, it tends to be... Well, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because it can only ask so many things. So that's monohybrid inheritance. I don't think there's anything else to say about this. It's because this is generally just a recap on genetics and that sort of thing. So I think that's all the new information that we've got. Is that okay? Yes. So the next few episodes, we'll be looking at something called dihybrid inheritance. So we inherit two genetic traits at once. And then also we'll be looking at co-dominance. We'll be looking at multiple alleles and we'll be looking at sex linkage alleles as well. So, should we look at some questions? Yeah. Right, so the first question is a two marker and it says, what is meant by the term phenotype? So if I was to say to you, the phenotype is brown eyes, blue eyes, what would you say? Oh, is it the dominant gene? No. So the phenotype is the appearance. Oh, the expression. The expression okay. of the genes. The phenotype is the expression, So maybe. what it looks like. So for two marks, you would say the expression, appearance or characteristic due to the alleles or the genotype. Or you could say it was also due to environment for your second mark. Okay. Because sometimes, obviously, your variation can be due to environmental factors. As in... Um, Dark skin in a hot country. Yeah, I guess that's the simplest way of looking at it. Yeah. So that's the first question. And then the second question involves a resource, again, on teachmescience.co.uk. Google Drive, episode 81, there exam question. is a question that's there. So could you just read the information? The diagram shows the inheritance of cystic fibrosis in one family. Couple seven and eight decide to have another child. What is the probability that this child will be a girl with cystic fibrosis? Complete the genetic diagram to explain your answer. Use the symbols capital N for the dominant allele and uncapital N for the recessive allele. So the first part of this question was actually cystic fibrosis is caused by a recessive allele. Explain the evidence for this given in the diagram. Because only two of them have got it. So well, no, this person's got it. So if you look at person six and person ten, they've got it. Because so how seven, do we know it's recessive? It's, it's it's recessive because seven has got the gene for it, but doesn't have it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So seven and eight have had a child that has it, but neither of them have it. Yeah. Definitely has a recessive so they, gene. Of what, it. what do you need to inherit to have an, a recessive phenotype? How many? Two. Two. two so you need R's. to inherit two recessive alleles to have the disease. Yeah. Where do you inherit them both from? The mum and the dad. Both parents. So both of the parents must both They're have both a ch- carrying both carriers. The cystic fibrosis. Well done. Yeah, well done. So one and two are carrying it and they've passed it on to six, but not five and seven. Seven must have inherited one. Yeah. Yeah. That it's then passed on to 10. And they got with someone who also had a low R. And they had a child with somebody who also inherited one allele and passed it on to 10. Does that make sense? Yeah. So both 7 and 8 must be heterozygous for cystic fibrosis. They must have one dominant allele, which is no disease, and one little, which is disease. They're both carrying it. And 10... Has got it. ...is the 25% of... Like the the I thing. The one, yeah. Is that okay? Yes. The answers are things like 
parents without cystic fibrosis have an offspring with with cystic fibrosis or you could include the numbers like say one or two don't have the disease but they had six who does you know that sort of thing and then each parent must have the cystic fibrosis allele because the offspring receives the cystic fibrosis allele from both parents both parents must be heterozygous or both carriers okay yeah and then b was what you said to complete the genetic diagram Yes. Uh, for seven and eight. Okay. So they're normally set out like this, where you can see that they're like there's the different steps, and you, it's usually about four marks. Okay. For each of these, so you've got the parental phenotype. So seven is unaffected, eight is unaffected, but then you've got the a question that says they're parental genotypes. So if we're using big N for dominant, which means unaffected, unaffected, because it's recessive. So big N is dominant, which means unaffected. Little, Little n, n means you've got means it. Cystic fibrosis yeah. is the allele for that. Yeah, yeah. So both parents, so seven and eight are both unaffected, yeah. but they've had a child with it. So what must their genotypes be? It must be four little n's. Oh, oh big so n. The, a big, a, they, the parents must have a big n and a little n. Yeah. And they've just happened to pass on two little yeah. n's. So on that parental genotype line... For both parents, you would put a big N and a little N. For both. Because they're unaffected, but they have a child with it. Yeah. Um, the Where it says genotypes of gametes, you literally are just separating those out. So it'd be big N and little N. Big N and little N. So you so their genotype is big N, little N, but they'll produce sperm with a big N and sperm with a little N or so eggs with a big N. would that be big, big and little, little no, it would just be literally like you separate them, so it'd be big N and little n, big N and little n. And then you've got like a little bit of space to do what we call a Punnett square, which is one of those things I was showing you previously. You put the parents to the types at the top and the side, and then you show all yeah. the possible offspring. So you've got a little bit of space to do that. If you wanted to. 75% so, chance. Yeah, so there'd be that, that there would be that 75% chance. So your corrected genotypes for the offspring, you would get, 25% big N, big N, 50% big N, little N, and then you're 25%, 25% little N, N, little N. Is that all right? Yeah. So you'd have to show what they were there, and you've got your little space to work it out, and then you'd write them there. And then you've got offspring phenotypes. So big N, big N would be... You've only got big N. So you're... You're unaffected. Unaffected. Big N, little N is... Um, unaffected. Unaffected, but carrier. But carrier. Um, and But you don't have to say that. And then little n, little n is... You've got it. You've got it. Okay. Is that all right? Yeah. Is there anything else? No. Probability of a girl with cystic fibrosis. So it would be 25% well, it's chance... Well, 50-50 chance of what you're getting for a boy or girl anyway. Yeah. And then you've got to break it down even further. Uh-huh. So, so if you know it's 25% chance of having an offspring with cystic fibrosis... Yes. And a 50% chance of having a girl... Harvey, 25%. 11, 10, 12, 12 ish, 12.5. 12.5%. 12. 12. 12. 12. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. It's so a sneaky it's, question. So it's 12.5% chance of having a girl with cystic fibrosis? Yes. I mean, that's not high, is it? But it's 25% of having a child with cystic fibrosis. Yeah. Okay. Shall I do the roundup? Yeah. We Every chromosome consists of a long DNA molecule which codes for different proteins. A gene is a length of that DNA that codes for a single polypeptide or protein. 
The position of a gene on a chromosome is a locus. Each gene will have different variations and forms called alleles. These would be found on the same locus, but will have a slightly different base or nucleotide sequence. For example, to produce blue eyes or green eyes or brown eyes. Chromosomes occur in homologous pairs, one from each parent. So each chromosome in the pair will contain an allele of each gene. The genotype for an organism refers to the alleles of a gene possessed by that individual. The different alleles can be represented by letters. When two allele copies are the same, they are homozygous for that characteristic. If the allele copies are different, they are heterozygous for that characteristic. A phenotype is the observable characteristic of the organism based on their genotype. Some alleles are dominant so that they are always expressed in the phenotype and only need to appear in the genotype once. Other alleles are recessive, so they are only expressed in the phenotype if no dominant allele is present. This means it is only expressed when present in a homozygous individual. When a homozygous dominant individual is crossed with a homozygous recessive individual, the offspring are called the first filial or F1 generation. All of the F1 generation are heterozygous. If two individuals from the F1 generation are then crossed, the offspring they produce are called the F2 generation. To decide the genotype of an unknown individual expressing a dominant phenotype, they should be crossed with a recessive phenotype. If there are any offspring expressing the recessive phenotype, then the unknown individual must be heterozygous for that characteristic. Monohybrid inheritance looks at how alleles for a single gene are passed on from one generation to the next. Genetic diagrams are often used to present this information, such as Punnett squares. The predicted genotypes that genetic diagrams produce are all based on chance. Got any takeaways? If something is dominant, it's always going to be expressed. There's usually like a 75% chance of that happening. Uh, there's the F1 generation, which is the start generation, and all of them are going to be um, dominant. And then from then on, you can have recessive chance, chances of having a recessive gene after that. Um, there is heterozygotes, which are Zygote. zygotes. Which, zygous. zygous, which are the it's different, the different others, and then there is the the homozygotes, which are always the recessive. Homozygous and homos and heterozygous, they're always the same. Yeah, they're always the same. So you could be homozygous dominant, homozygous recessive. Recessive. Okay, so they're not always recessive. They're always the, the same, same allele. So a capital or a lower. Yeah. Yeah, but like both capital both or both capital lower. Or lower. Yeah. Good, okay. that was good. All that stuff now will hold us in good stead for the next few episodes. So that's our basic stuff discussed. And then we will use that information now as we move on and learn more complicated genetics. Okay. If you want to contact us, you can go to teachmebiologycast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at, at teachmebiocast on an Instagram at, at teachmebiologycast. Or if you want to, you can buy us a tea at buymeacoffee.com slash teachmebiology. I have an email. Greetings, Ria and Sarah. I recently found your podcast. I'm not too far into it, but it's good stuff, I must say. By the way, uh, uh, what's this person's name? Asbjorn. Asbjorn. I'm 25 years old. I'm from Denmark, and I have a question. 
I'd been thinking about getting a career in biology, but if I start schooling, I would be 26 when I start. My question is, is 26 too old to start schooling for biology, to later have a career in it, and then making it far in the world of biology? I hope you have an interest in answering my question and understand what I mean. Of course it's not too old. I mean, you can start studying at any age for anything, as long as you're... Yeah, able There's to pay people, for it and stuff. There's no people issues. that go to uni to study their new career when they're like forty or fifty. It happens yeah. all the time. No, absolutely no worries there at all. You can do whatever you want. There was lots of people on my course who were like forties, fifties, and they were just starting out doing their counselling. So yeah. There's no limit of age when you can study whatever you want no. to study. I mean, Rob, my husband, was like working in like a finance department of a company using his German skills. And then when I met him, he was 25. He just started doing his master's in translation. So he then became a translator. So that was a changing career. I know it's, yeah. actually, it's probably like not a massive changing career, but he had to do more education Studying. to do it. So yeah, he just took the opportunity he had at the time yeah. to do it. Okay. So, of course, you can do whatever you want. As long as, like, as, long as you've got the, the backing, like the financial backing to, to do it. Because like, obviously that can be difficult, can't it, when you're... Because I guess when you're 26, you're trying to earn money to live. And when you're a student, you're not going to be earning any money or very little money. So, no, you're not going to be full-time working. So as long as you've got the financial backing, mm. I shouldn't think there'd be an issue. Was that the vowel? Yeah, that was the vowel. Okay, cool. Maisie, anything to Maisie, add? you want to, to discuss? Discussion you've about been here genetic. for a whole episode, but you've... Pe- have, you got, have you got any takeaways? Kept pretty quiet. My takeaway was I was fascinated by Homo being the same. That's, that, that is my level of knowledge when it comes to science. That was it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Homo same, hetero different. Okay. <laughs> I'm tired and science. hungry. So oh, I'm tired. Let's end it there. It's been okay. a stressful day for us all. Has it? Um, yeah, just that exam stress one stressed me out. <laughs> should have made you calmer. Um, this has been Teach Me Biology. My name is Sarah. My name is Maisie. And I'm Rhea Corbett. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.